Recorded live. Hi, Jack. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. This is Jam Radio Network. Nurse, set up an IV. And you, her boyfriend. You were the driver? Yes, doctor, but I didn't mean to hurt her. I only had a few drinks. I was just buzzed. Just buzzed? Oh, then your girlfriend is fine. Hey, sweetie. I feel great. She's really okay? What, are you kidding? No. Not really. Nurse, get me a suture kit. Stack. Buzzed driving. Maybe we should stop acting like it's no big deal. Buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Author John Erickson started submitting his short stories in 1967 while working full-time as a cowboy. But by 1982, with two new rejection slips and his wife pregnant with their third child, a few stories here and there weren't enough. John borrowed money to start his own publishing company. He sold his books from his pickup truck at cattle auctions and rodeos. By 1983, 2,000 copies of the original adventures of Hank the Cowdog sold out in six weeks. Then the book was recorded on audio tape, and Hank became the longest-running children's series on audio ever. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. John Erickson waited a long time to jump, but now he can tell you, dreams call for courage in the high calling of our daily work. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. And good morning. This is the early morning gospel program. Morning Scriptures. He'll talk to you. And Jam Radio. Jesus, 
and take away all my sins, see how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Listen's morning inspirations on Sunday mornings at 6am Eastern Time, right here.
this is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Thank you. 
It's now time for our morning prayer. Let's go to the throne of grace. Dear Father God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for keeping us and sustaining us all night long. Excuse me, sins that we've done. Bless us, O Lord, in everything, in all things. Now, Lord, we say thank you.
morning spruce of day radio 2.1. Good morning. Lutheran Church in America. This is Grace Matters with your host, Peter Marty. The members of the ELCA welcome you to this Grace Matters broadcast and invite you to come worship with us. You can find a congregation close to you by going to www.elca.org and clicking on the congregation locator. My name is Susan Greeley, and I'll be back after Peter Marty's message with more information about this ministry. There's an old cartoon of two businessmen sitting at a bar after work. Both of them have a bedraggled sort of look, expressionless faces, ties loosened around unbuttoned collars, and they're sipping booze. One despairing character says to the other despairing character, do you dwell on the wasted years behind you or on the terrifying years ahead of you? Well, when I think of this sad and rather pathetic image of two guys in a bar all but lost in time, I consider all of the ways that the rest of us can also struggle to find our own deep meaning in life. We have all faced the big questions that have to do with our yesterdays, our today, and our tomorrows. You don't have to have a dead-end job, or any job at all for that matter, to know the challenge of leading a fulfilling life every single day. You don't have to drink liquor to know what it's like to have moments when nothing seems to help you escape the creeping threat of meaninglessness. You don't even have to have a twinge of despair in your past or a hint of depression in your present to realize that the good life in Christ we seek is not always so easy to grasp. I hope you'll join me in the coming minutes to contemplate what it is that makes us search for meaning in life and what is it about Christ Jesus that makes his offer of abundant life so compelling.
years now, there has been a poem circulating on the Internet and in other communication channels where people trade thoughts and ideas. The poem is deeper than some of the trite chain letters and cute stories that too often flood the World Wide Web. In fact, it carries some pretty potent truths, even if some of them seem overstated for your own particular situation in the world. The poem entitled, The Paradox of Our Time. I only know it as attributed to an unknown author. It reads like this. The paradox of our time in history is that we spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy it less. We have bigger houses and smaller families. More conveniences but less time. More medicine but less wellness. We read too little, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. These are the times of tall people and short character, steep profits and shallow relationships. These are the days of two incomes, but more divorce. Fancier houses, but broken homes. We've learned well how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, not life to years. And we've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. There's a line in this poem that catches my eye and keeps coming back to haunt me. It's this one. We've learned well how to make a living, but not a life. And we've added years to life, not life to years. Christian believers are presently in the midst of a 40-day journey we refer to as Lent. It's a reflective period of weeks before Easter when we think about the difference that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ make for reshaping our lives. It's an introspective time when everything we do and value comes under scrutiny. It's a beautifully prayer-filled time, or it's supposed to be, when we get to ask big questions of ourselves and of God. Why, to use the words of this poem I just recited, why do we have more trouble making a life than a living? Why the confusion between the two? Aren't they the same thing, making a living and making a life? Of course they're not. A living will give you spending money to put meatloaf on the table tonight, or gas in the car tomorrow, or medicine to keep your ailing body going for years to come. A life will provide you with the richness of hope, love of friends, and the commitment to spend your energy on important and life-giving acts. And a true life, one that rings true with God at least, will provide you with these blessings day after day. To survive, we need both a life and a living. But only one of the two has to do with eternal things. Only one of the two is nourished by the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not die, so far as I can tell, for you and I to make a good living. He died that we might have abundant life. An abundant life, in his eyes, has to do with putting an end to all of the hungering and thirsting for the wrong things. So Jesus said to all who are willing to listen one day, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. 
and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Never. But we'll come back to this never in a few moments. Rabbi Harold Kushner, who is probably best known for his somewhat controversial book a couple of decades ago, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, spoke one day about our greatest fear. Kushner believes that our greatest human fear has to do with missing out on the meaning of life. I am convinced, he said, that it is not fear of death or of our lives ending that haunts our sleep so much as the fear that our lives will not have mattered, that as far as the world is concerned, we might as well never have lived. What we miss in our lives, says Kushner, no matter how much we have, is this sense of meaning. No matter how much we have, says Rabbi Kushner, it is the sense of missing the meaning in our lives that scares us the most. I have a gnawing suspicion that Harold Kushner is right. Our most prevalent fear has to do with a shortage of meaning in our relationships, our work, and our goals for life. And when we cannot make good sense of why we're here on earth doing this or that particular thing with our life, it doesn't matter how much we have or what we know. We just live with this empty feeling of being useless or superfluous and less than whole. We can live in the nicest of homes. How nice is the apartment or house where you dwell? We can become well-educated and wow the world with our competence. We can secure the best of jobs and perform well enough to get that raise we've waited for so long. But if we have no real sense of worth and no underlying joy in our existence, we're in big trouble. Hopelessness will set in, whether we have the self-awareness to call it that or not, and hopelessness is no good nor is the anxiety or despair that hopelessness breeds. Before long, we will wonder if we count at all. We will wonder if there is anything, in the words of that cartoon caption, between the wasted years of the past and the terrifying years of the future. I have a wise friend who makes an interesting distinction. The friend is Tom Long, a wonderfully congenial professor at Emory University, in Atlanta, Georgia. The distinction he makes is between a lifestyle and a life. A lifestyle is what you find depicted in People magazine. Or it is what you and your neighbors comment on when you want to chat about the choices some acquaintance you both know makes. A lifestyle is comprised of all those personal choices we make about the clothes we wear, the places we shop, the car we drive, or the food we eat. Change any of these things, and you can change your lifestyle, just like that. People do it all of the time. They move in and out of different lifestyles, depending on how they feel, how much money they have, or what their latest desires prove to be. You'll notice that we're most comfortable around people who share a lifestyle that has something in common with our own lifestyle, right? We like to associate with people who have similar tastes, even if we don't wish for those tastes to be absolutely identical to our own. 
All you have to do, though, is look at your neighborhood or whom you tend to eat out with when you eat out, and you will confirm this tendency. A life, though, is different than a lifestyle. It encompasses everything you are and everything you believe in. It's messier in one sense, and it's harder to change. You can't just trade in your car for a different car and call it a change of life. No, a life includes big problems as well as big joys. And these problems need more than a new purchase to solve them. Here's how Tom Long describes the difference. A lifestyle, he says, like the longest suit in a bridge hand, is composed of the cards we lead with, the ones we lay face up on the table to show our strength. A life, on the other hand, is every aspect of who we are, every card we hold, both weak and strong. He says renting the video of Saturday Night Fever is lifestyle. Staying up all Saturday night with a child who has a fever is life. You might be able to adjust your lifestyle with a little adjustment of income, but the same is not true with your life. Your life is in a desperate enough condition that it needs to be saved. This is why Jesus is so critical to living a good life. You cannot fashion the good life only by tweaking this or that. There is no way in the world to find deep meaning and lasting contentment without the aid of a Savior, one who can rescue us from the worst sides of ourselves and who can provide companionship through the most perplexing trials in life. When Jesus was sharing his last meal on this earth, something we Christians commemorate on a Thursday night three days before Easter, he had some guiding words for his disciples seated around the table. To them, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He did not say, I am the way and the truth and the lifestyle. No, he knew that the demanding reality of life itself, as opposed to a lifestyle or making a living, would require his involvement and his love. And that involvement and love is what we pray for and long for when we sense the threat of meaningless creeping in on us. I don't know who said it, but somebody wiser than the rest of us once said that we spend most of our life conjugating three verbs, to do, to have, and to want. And how true this is. Just Think of the enormous amount of energy we spend doing and having and wanting. Every day we clamor to behave in these three ways. I suppose it's our instinct to accumulate or to possess or to be busy that has us constantly engaging these three verbs, doing, having, wanting. Whatever it is, it is mistaken living. Doesn't life consist of so much more than this? We're not human doings, after all, or human havings. We are human beings. And the way we are in the world says everything about whether or not we have a life or merely a lifestyle. In the sixth chapter of John's Gospel account, the crowds were in hot pursuit of Jesus. They were after his words and his presence because they had seen the limitations of all other forms of nourishment. Their ancestors had devoured manna in the wilderness. But it didn't take long for those ancestors to find out that this bread did not last. 
something more was needed. And the people crowding around Jesus knew it. Whoever comes to me, he said, will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There was more meaning packed into this sentence of Jesus than anyone could have imagined at the time. We're still trying to absorb its full power in our day. It was Jesus' way of trying to refocus lives that were going in the wrong direction and believing unhelpful things. It was his corrective and hopeful word to people who were trying to slog through life too much on their own. Remember, your life and mine are in a desperate enough condition that they need to be saved. A little adjustment in income might allow you to alter your lifestyle, but not your life. What we need is a Savior who can give us life, and in that life, deep meaning and lasting peace. I had a professor in college to whom I owe a debt of gratitude forever. She is the woman who taught me how to write, and frankly, how to think more clearly. Here's how she did it. In her desk drawer, she had two rubber stamps. One of the rubber stamps read, So what? with an exclamation point. The other one read, Who cares? also with an exclamation point. Now, it may seem cruel on first sight to see the stamp of So what? or Who cares? lining the margins of one's college history papers. But it was this teacher's corrective way for helping her students eliminate all of the fluff that makes for poor writing. Padding essays with extraneous words is nothing new. It's one of the most common ways for students to try and fill in details of which they lack deep knowledge or adequate research. The glaring red ink of those rubber stamp impressions beside paragraphs that really led nowhere forced me to come face to face with irrelevant material that I tried to pass off as quality prose. Through both gentle and forceful means, and Jesus can be as tough with words as he is tender, our Lord is always looking for ways to get us out of the habit of padding our lives with meaningless things. He doesn't want us trying to pass off a shallow life for a faithful life. To accomplish this, Jesus does not say, so what, or who cares, when we preoccupy ourselves with all of this doing and having and wanting. But he does do everything in his power to get us to consider a life that is whole, a life that is absent of the fragmentation that comes with falling in love with a lifestyle instead of a life. If your life isn't coming together like you wish it would, and there are too many days when you struggle to find a joyous purpose, be mindful, friends. Be mindful of the hope that is yours in Christ Jesus. It's a hope that will send you dancing around the next corner in your life, trusting in the future instead of fearing it. When relationships sour or dreams go unmet, it's so easy to fall into discouragement and despair. We become suspicious of the future, regretful of the past, and negative about the present. But it is into these unwelcome experiences that hope has its best chance to breathe. Hope takes life as it comes and makes room for God to live into that life with you. I'll be back in a moment with a closing thought and prayer. You're listening to Pastor Peter Marty on Grace Matters. 
the radio ministry of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. This is Susan Greeley, inviting you to request CD copies of this program or a written transcript of Peter's message. Just follow the links online or write to us at our postal address. You can also call us at 1-800-638-3522. Grace Matters is a listener-supported ministry. Thank you for helping us share the good news of God's amazing grace with others. How can you know if you are doing with your life exactly what God would wish for you to do? Well, you can't know this precisely, of course, but don't casually dismiss who you are and what you're doing for fulfillment in life, especially if you are striving to live by faith. The trap that you and I don't want to fall into is the trap of those two hapless men at the bar, wondering whether we should dwell on a regretful past or a terrifying future. No, we have the nourishing grace of Jesus Christ, who in his own way shows us how to increase the abundance of life today, abundance of life in ourselves and in people all around us. Let us pray. O God, in whose arms we are held and through whose life we are fed, grant us enough hope to find our way. While we do not know exactly what you will make of each of us, we know for certain that we cannot make ourselves. So to you we bring our past with its triumphs and regrets, our present with its accomplishments and setbacks, and our future with its fear and promise. And we ask you to breathe new hope into our life today and into every tomorrow. Amen. And let us pray together as we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hi, Jack. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. This is Jam Radio Network. What's so proud? 
You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1.
This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
But by 1982, with two new rejection slips and his wife pregnant with their third child, a few stories here and there weren't enough. John borrowed money to start his own publishing company. He sold his books from his pickup truck at cattle auctions and rodeos. By 1983, 2,000 copies of the original adventures of Hank the Cowdog sold out in six weeks. Then the book was recorded on audio tape, and Hank became the longest-running children's series on audio ever. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. John Erickson waited a long time to jump, but now he can tell you, dreams call for courage in the high calling of our daily work. things traveling all over this beautiful country of ours, but one thing that's not very funny is when someone gets in a car trying to drive when they're drunk. Take their keys away from them, because friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Listen's Morning Inspirations on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, right here. I always love preachers, too, especially, you know, black preachers just got so much flavor. I think, you know what, kids get scared sometimes when preachers come into the classroom and give, like, the nursery rhymes, because they do it their way. Kids get nervous because preachers lose, they lose where they are. They forget where they are. They think they're on Sundays at church behind the pulpit. They be just moaning. Now, boys and girls, this evening, this morning, we shall endeavor to talk about those things which are uh, dealing with the, the, the possibilities and the agonousness of someone named Mother Goose. Now, it wasn't Daddy Goose, and it, and, and, and it wasn't Little Brother Goose. It was Mother Goose. Understand that Jack be nimble. And, and Jack, be quick, Jack jumped over ha, the candlestick. Now, 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 see, when he jumped over, he had to say, Jesus. <laughs> now, listen here. And see, Mary, Mary had a little lamb, and the lamb's name was Jesus. Y'all don't hear me, little churn, little churn. <laughs> uh-huh.
In the small town of Elmira, New York, a boy was born into an all-American family. The odds of him opening his own clothing store at the age of 18? One in 138,000. Excited to be a part of pop culture, he packed for the big city. The odds of finding someone to invest in his vision? One in 4.5 million. The odds of him achieving his dream in the fashion industry? One in 23 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 110. I am Tommy Hilfiger, and my family is affected by autism. I encourage you to learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Justin's football skills were so-so, and the coach made him second-string kicker. In other words, Justin warmed the bench. But Justin could heat up practice. Day after day, he teed up and kicked the ball, not far at first, but every day a little farther. Then came the unexpected. The first team kicker was down, and Justin went in. Now, practice paid off. Justin kicked, and the ball sailed high between the uprights over the goalpost. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Lady Lodge. Jesus says the faithful in a little are faithful in a lot. Our daily routines call us to be faithful in small ways so that at a moment's notice we are ready for the big game in the high calling of our daily work. For more information, visit ourdailywork.org. Hi, this is Savannah Guthrie with an urgent story developing right now in every state and county across America. Despite having more than enough food available in this country, there are nearly 16 million kids. That's one in five children struggling with hunger. They often don't even know where their next meal is coming from. And the worst part is, this has been going on for years. There's no excuse for it, and that's why Feeding America is doing its best to put an end to childhood hunger. As a nationwide network of food banks, Feeding America engages local communities in solving hunger by collecting surplus food, giving hope to hungry kids and their families all across our nation. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank. You can start by going to feedingamerica.org to learn more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. How should a church or ministry respond when a former member demands that his offerings be returned? Legal insight from your church. Here's a word from attorney David Gibbs, Jr. A pastor contacted the Christian Law Association because a disgruntled former member was demanding that his tithes and offerings be returned to him. The pastor did not know what was legally required of him or the church. One of our attorneys who specializes in tax and finance explained to the pastor the definition of a gift. According to the Internal Revenue Service, a charitable contribution or gift is a voluntary transfer of money or property without any consideration or compensation. Once the gift is voluntarily given and received, the giver no longer has any legal right to recover the contributions. 
the attorney advised the pastor that he has no legal liability to return any of the money to this disgruntled member. Maybe you're facing a legal issue similar to today's report on the legal alert, and maybe you wish you had a legal team to assist you. The Christian Law Association is standing by with free legal support. Visit ChristianLaw.org to link up with us. That's ChristianLaw.org.
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on the cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Hallelujah. Saved. Saved. ask you friends in closing tonight have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? For how will you escape? If you neglect so great salvation.
right, check one two one two one two one two. This is Jam Radio Network. This is Jam Radio Network. This is Jam Radio Point One. This is Quiet Storm.